So we're going to go into Psalm 130. If you turn your Bibles to Psalm 130, I'd appreciate that. While I know it's not the summer of the Psalms series, and Psalm 130 is a few years down down the track for the summer of the Psalms, um, it was it was something that it was actually this this Psalm is the um, the song that Matt and the worship team just just sang the last song. We'll actually sing it again at the end of our service. Uh, that was the psalm that, that we just heard. So we're going to study that a little more in depth and, uh, and then sing it again at the end of the service as just an act of worship. Uh, I, really, I really just am encouraged by uh, thinking about uh, our, our series on preparing him room. We just came out of a Christmas series, Prepare Him Room, right, with Jesus. Uh, and if you know me, I don't like to leave the Christmas season. So we're kind of tagging on to that with a New Year's because they kind of go together, right? Christmas and New Year's and the same thing. But we, we want to prepare him room. And now we're, we should be thinking about uh, with the new year, like we always do, these, these resolutions we make. And it's so interesting how, how often we make a physical resolution, like I'm going to exercise more, eat better, right? Or maybe it's a, a relational goal, like I want to be nicer person at my work or relate better with this person, this person in my family. I'm going to try to be quiet more and listen, listen more. Uh, those are great resolutions, um, but we really have to be thinking about our spiritual faith as well, and, and what resolutions of faith we might need to make. Uh, similar, I, I mentioned this, you know, about the the COVID and the pandemic we've had. Uh, we have been absolutely concerned about the physical well-being of people, right? And we should be, but we cannot, in the middle of that, neglect the spiritual, emotional, mental well-being of people either. And that's, that's why our doors are open. That's why we're preaching every Sunday. That's why we provide the opportunity for people to come and to hear the gospel and we encourage you to share that as well because there is no hope, even if there's physical hope, there's no hope spiritually, eternally, without faith in Jesus Christ. Amen? So that's so important for us to think about. So as we move into the new year, whatever resolutions you've made or whatever you're thinking about making, um, I, I encourage you in that. I support you in that. We have your back. But also, we, we, sh- we ought to be thinking about our spiritual lives, our, our, our emotional, mental well-being, and, and what that looks like for us going into the new year, especially coming off of the year 2020 with so much despair, so much isolation, so much um, loss during that time. Uh, and for whatever one reason or another, that we all have some kind of uh, dreaded story from 2020. And, and listen, it's not going to just stop because the calendar flipped. But for you and I, we should readjust and realign our hearts and our affections towards Christ even more. So today we're going to be talking about resolutions of faith and looking at what, what about our faith might need to change or be renewed in the new year. And I thought Psalm 130 was a great place to land. So let's go ahead and pray, and we'll get into the Word and take a look at it. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your great love and your mercy. God, as we come to you today, I ask that you would just be in our midst. That God, as I teach your Word and read from your Word, God, you would empty me and fill me up with you. God, we want to hear from you today. We want our hearts and our minds to be open to receive your message that you would convince us of truth and you would convict us of sin and, and God, move us to a place of deep devotion. Turn our hearts and our eyes toward you that we would be obedient to the one who is always faithful. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I'm going to read Psalm 130. I'll read the entire psalm and then we'll break it apart and take a look at it. Maybe you'll notice the song we just sang here. Out of the depths I call to you, Lord. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. 
Lord, if you keep or if you kept an account of, of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, so that you may be revered. I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in his word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. Well, as I, as I thought about that and read that and we had that song in mind, uh, it, it really seemed to fit well what God would be doing and stirring in us in this new year. So uh, we are in Psalm 130. We're going to break this down and look at uh, resolutions of faith. Number one is this. A resolution of faith is that I would cry out from my depths. And I made these points very personal. So when you went home thinking, what should be my New Year's resolution of faith? You could see that it's written down, cry out from my depths. Not just cry out from the depths, right? Cry out from your depths. Think about depths and what depths, depths usually cause in us. When we have grief or sorrow or loss, those kind of depths usually silence us because they engulf us. Right? When there's despair, when there's great despair, it is this heavy burden on our souls and we isolate, we shrink back, and we be quiet. We try to internalize it, we try to figure out how can I overcome it, what can I do to achieve uh, getting through this and out of this, how, am I strong enough, maybe I'm not strong enough. All of those things start playing in our mind. We should resolve to say I'm going to cry out from the depths and not just be quiet, not be silent, not let it engulf us. That out of the depths, I call to you, Lord. Listen. Lord, listen to my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for help. See, our, our depths of despair, people of faith, our depths of despair should move us into deep depths with our faith and devotion toward him. And we see that all the time. And sometimes we criticize that when people run to faith in times of despair. Like, oh, is that all, is that all he's good for is a crutch when you're, when you're feeling sad? We, we tell people, we tell ourselves that. We think, oh, this is the only time I ran to Jesus is when I really, really was struggling. Well, it's good. You should run to Jesus when you're really, really struggling, knowing that you really struggle. And that should be a template for all of our lives, the pattern of all of our lives. Whether I'm struggling or not struggling, I run to Jesus and I'm satisfied in Jesus. And he's the one I call out to from the depths of and from the depths of my faith, even in good times. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 2 say this, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me and heard my cry for, for help. He brought me up out of a desolate pit, out of the muddy clay, and set my feet on a rock, making my steps secure. I, I want you to think about this. The idea, the psalmist says, out of the depths I call to you, Lord, and Lord, listen to my voice. And then the psalmist in Psalm 40 says, I waited patiently, and he heard my cry. There is something to be said for God hearing us, and for you and I knowing that he's hearing us. See, this is, this is where the difference is. Uh, we cry out because we know God hears. We don't cry out because we know we're going to get what we want. Do we understand the difference there? Imagine what a curse it would be if every time we cried out, he answered our prayer exactly the way we wanted it. The blessing is, the, the, the devotion, the resolve inside, the resolution of faith should be that I am going to cry out to God and I know he's going to hear me. Who's going to hear you? The sovereign one. The one who sees you and knows you personally, who is going to walk with you through the valley of the shadow of death and who's going to lead you home. We cry out to that God, our Father in heaven, 
We cry out to him because he is sovereign and he knows best. We know that he will act for our best good and for his ultimate glory. There has to be a resolution of faith about that, that we cry out from the depths, not because, God, I'm going to cry out and get whatever I want. You're going to change everything about my life just the way I hoped. But God, I'm going to cry out to you because I know you are God and you are good and you are faithful and I know you will hear me and I will put my trust in you because you have always been faithful. God hearing us and and us knowing God hears us is an act of faith versus God doing whatever I ask. That's just a matter of you and I controlling our own lives and being in control of our own destiny and we are not. But when we put our trust in him, he sets us on a rock. So we look from the depth to the one who is faithful and true, and we anticipate. We anticipate and we trust and long for sure footing that only he can bring. Psalm 61, 1 through 4 says, God, hear my cry. Pay attention to my prayer. I call to you from the ends of the earth with my heart or when my heart is without strength. So you see the depth again. God, my heart is without strength. I can't do this on my own. We have to, in a New Year's resolution, in a time where we come in a resolution of faith, we have to say, I can't do this on my own. I cannot do this on my own. There's a, a TV show, uh, I think it's on History Channel, called Alone. And we got interested in that, and my kids were kind of interested. It's a survival show where, where these, these contestants are dropped in the middle of the wilderness, like miles apart, individually, on, on their own, by themselves. There's no camera crew there. There's no producers there. There's a medical check every five days or so. And they have limited supplies of what they could bring and a couple, like a little med kit. And they are literally alone with cameras, and they're their own camera operators, just watching what they're doing. And it is amazing to see this despair that sets in when you are all alone, when there is no contact. Those times in the middle of nowhere where you realize, I probably cannot do this on my own. Why? Well, you think you have, you think you have control over the environment. You, I, can, I can control this. And then it snows. And then all the, all the foliage, everything that you were eating is now frozen and, and dead. The water gets too high and the wind's too choppy. You can't fish anymore. I mean, it's amazing how we think we're so in control, but really we're all alone. And, and that loneliness really should trigger something. Not just despair, but it should trigger us to say, I need something else. I need help. I need God. We cry out when my heart is without strength. He said, lead me to the rock that is high above me. I need sure footing. It's beyond me. Your, your ways are higher than my ways, God. And here's, here's the verse 3 in Psalm 61. For you have been a refuge for me. Now this is important for us. When we look to God, we long to God, when we re- re- resolve in our heart a faith to trust in Him and cry out from the depths, why do we do that? For you, God, have been a refuge for me, a strong tower in the, in the face of an enemy. I will dwell in your tent forever and take refuge under the shelter of your wings. And there's our word, Selah. That's that, let it sink in. Stop, pause here. Let that really get down deep. The psalmist understands Not only is there sure footing in God, not only is he faithful, he has always been faithful, and he always will be faithful. Listen, maybe maybe the cry out of the depths for you today is the first cry you've ever made to God. You've never seen God be faithful. Not that you can see, he has been for you, but he has been faithful with others, and you've seen that, and there's a story there, and people can proclaim his faithfulness, so that you can see that he has been faithful and he will be faithful. For most of us in this room, I'm guessing, or many of us watching online, 
we know God has been faithful. He has continually been faithful. He has continually been a refuge for us, a strong tower in the face of our enemies, in the face of our despair, in the face of our fear, in the face of our isolation or loneliness. He is a strong tower, and, and we should resolve to dwell in his tent forever and have hope and joy and strength that we'll dwell in his tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of his wings. We've come out of what seems for many to be a brutal, brutal year. And listen, it's not over. 2020 might have been this great big chasm of depth and despair starting around March. But if I've learned anything from 2020, it's that sorrow and despair from the year has made people hide or mask other types of grief and despair and try to deal with it on their own. We're all upset about COVID. We're all upset about lockdowns. We're all upset about not seeing our family and being isolated. But listen, all of the other despairs, all of the other hurts, all the other sorrows weren't put on hold with COVID either. And we can't try to do this on our own. We have to cry out from the depths. When we talk about resolutions of faith, we must really resolve to enter into and find vulnerable community with other Christ followers, others who have put their trust in Christ, those who have seen his faithfulness and are trusting in his faithfulness that we could see them as an example. And we should resolve to be honest with God from our heart, to cry out from our heart, cry out from our grief, cry out from our pain, cry out from our errors or our sinful ways. Cry out to him in faith because he has always been faithful. And he will always be faithful. So my first resolution is to cry out from my depths. Number two, to rejoice in my salvation. To rejoice in my salvation. The psalmist goes on in Psalm 130, verses 3 and 4. says, Lord, if, if you kept an account of iniquities, Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness so that you may be revered. You think about this, in God's justice, we are all doomed. There's not one person that is good. No one can stand. If we all lined up and said, who's the best, it would be none of us. We're all in the same boat. We've all sinned and fallen short of God's glory and his standard. And God is right to judge us. God is right to let his wrath fall on sinners. But God in his love has pursued us with Christ and he's, he's allowed Christ to take the wrath that you and I deserve. He's allowed Christ to take that wrath so through faith in Christ, you and I could find forgiveness because without him, there is no hope for us. But with him, there is hope. Sometimes there's no end in sight for the sorrow and the pain that we face, right? And we have to understand that, that, that this is not a magical fix for the sorrow and pain we face in this life. There's real pain. We don't just get the luxury of exiting a season of pain and, and being home free, right? It's like, oh, I got out of that. I'll ne that'll never hurt me again. That'll never touch me again. I'll never feel that way again. That's not true at all. We're all either, right, entering a season of pain, we're in the middle of it, or we've just come out of one and about to enter another one. Whatever the season, we aren't done with the depths. We aren't done with the pain. We aren't done with the sorrow. We are, however, able to rejoice in the salvation that God has provided to us through faith in Christ's redemption. It's in his sacrifice and in his suffering that we can be made whole and free. And that is our hope. 
That is our joy. So we rejoice in our salvation because it's in him and it has nothing to do with our abilities. And we have put our, when we have put our hope and our faith in his redemption, we see even in the midst of pain and sorrow in the world and, and the stuff that's going on, in the midst of that, we still see a life changed and a soul saved and destined for a perfect eternity with Christ. You see, that's, that's God's redemption. That's his salvation, that in the middle of pains and suffering, he still came to seek and save the lost. Peter writes this and does it well in 1 Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 3 through 9. It said, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that is imperishable undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. That's an amazing promise. That's, that's something to rejoice about. It says, you are being guarded uh, by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last times. In verse 6, here, here's the, the, the idea of the resolve for you and I. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So there's the various trials. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, though perishable, is refined by fire. So why do we suffer these things? That it may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. We suffer those things knowing that he held us, and he kept us, and he, he, he saw us through it. So that when we see him, we're like, thank you, you're awesome. You're the one who sustained me. You're the one who's amazing, not me. And my hope is in you. He goes on, though you have not seen him, you love him. And though not seeing him now, you believe in him and you rejoice with inexpressible and a glorious joy because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. What an amazing thing. The goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. We have to understand that as believers. Listen, we've come to Christ for the salvation of our souls. We did not come to Christ for a bigger house. We did not come to Christ for our, our problems and worries to all be gone. We came to Christ because our souls needed to be saved from the destruction of our sin, for the, from the consequences of our sin. Our souls needed to be saved from eternal separation from God in hell. That's why we came to faith. And he has saved our souls. We've experienced the salvation of our souls through faith in Christ. So we rejoice in our salvation. Not in his, not, not in our own works, but in his salvation of our souls. We rejoice in our salvation. Romans 5 says it really well. Paul writes in Romans 5, 10 through 11. For if while we were enemies, right, this lays out, we were enemies of God, separated from God, enemies of God. While we were enemies, if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, then how much more, having been reconciled, will we be saved by his life? And not only that, but we also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received this reconciliation. We boast, we rejoice, we give glory and honor and esteem and praise to him for what he has done. We were enemies and he made us friends through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we boast in him, we rejoice in him, we rejoice in our salvation. Here's, here's an amazing thing. You think about our salvation, our, our redemption. The idea of awe, right? And this idea of worship and rejoicing in our salvation should be this idea of deep awe, of the fear of God. 
But I want you to think about this. Think about the fear of God in, in this, this way. Uh, God, what, what do you fear more? The God who just punishes sin or the God who will punish sin but decided to punish his son and give you mercy through faith in him? You see, the one who said, I could, but I didn't because you have trusted Christ. That's the one we should have awe for. See, everyone should be afraid of someone who's really terrifying, and God is really terrifying. And if we are in our sin, we should be terrified. But for you and I who have come out of our sin because we have expressed faith in Christ and His righteousness has covered us, because His blood has covered us, because His blood has washed us clean, we stand now not in this dread and fear, but in this amazing awe of God in this worship of God, in the splendor of God, knowing full, way, full well in the depths of our heart, yes, we're afraid because of what he could have done, but we are rejoicing and in awe because of what he chose to do through Christ instead. And when you and I are saved through faith in Christ, we ought to be in that same awe. So my resolution is to rejoice in my salvation that has been given to me by God alone. Number three, I resolve to put my hope in His Word. Put my hope in His Word. Look with me back to Psalm 130, verses 3, or verses 5 and 6. The psalmist continues, says, I wait for the Lord. I wait and put my hope in His Word. I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning. More than watchmen for the morning. So there's this idea we cry out to God, and we, we cry out because we know He hears. And because we know He hears, we know that He, in His sovereign power, will do exactly what we need for our good and for His glory. And while we wait for that answer, while we wait for that renewal, while we wait for that growth inside, I will wait for the Lord. I will put my hope in His Word. There's hope to be had for you and I. Not just, I, I sure hope He answers soon. He will. But he's given us his word. He's given us this model, this template, this Bible, the basic instructions before leaving earth that we can put our hope in, we can put our trust in, and that we could let it be a guide for us. And I love how he writes this. He says, I wait for the Lord. I'll wait and I'll put my hope in his word. This goes back to the idea of preparing him room, that sermon series, and the idea of don't waste your waiting. In the middle of this depth and this despair and this grief and sorrow and the waiting, don't just waste that waiting, but while you wait, I will wait and I will put my hope in his word. Go to the word. And he talks about what this should look like, the yearning we should have. He says, I wait for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. Listen, the watchmen wait for the morning. This is what you're talking about. These, These sentinels on the walls of a city watching, keeping watch for oncoming attack. And, and listen, the night shift, the graveyard, is not the best shift. That's the hardest one, right? Because it's dark. Because you're tired. Because your eyes are playing tricks on you. And as these watchmen stand, stand above the gate or on the wall, and they watch for attack, they yearn, they long for daybreak, don't they? They long for daybreak. So they can wipe their weary eyes, they can see a little better, and they can go home and maybe get some rest. They long for that. They, they yearn for that. And so this analogy is so important for us that, that, yes, it's hard right now. I'm watching and I'm straining, but I long for, I long for, I yearn for the morning. And for you and I, in the middle of depths, in the middle of despair, in the middle of pain, we should long, we should long for God's word. 
long for God's word, just like the watchmen long and watch for the morning. I want to switch gears. Turn with me to Psalm 119. Keep your, your finger here in Psalm 130. Uh, by the way, Psalm 119 is a, a, the longest psalm, and it's an amazing psalm of, of just trusting in God's word. I would encourage you to go home and read this and really study this and just really see what, what God's word, how powerful it is. Especially, listen, as, as we talk about New Year's resolution, originally we thought, okay, my, our New Year's resolution is to read the Bible this year, right? That's what we want to do. And, and it had to be more than that. That's why we're talking about more than this. But part of it is reading God's word, going to God's word for hope. It can't just stand only on that, though. There has to be a change of heart and affections and, and a crying out from the depths, right? These things that are important and rejoicing in salvation. But we look to Psalm 119. There is just such a, a template there, a model of, of why God's word and why going to God's Word and why reading God's Word and why studying God's Word and why memorizing God's Word is so important for us because it brings hope and it brings life. I want to put my hope in His Word. So we're at Psalm 119. We're going to look at the section between 33 and 40 and then a couple of verses down below that. So let me read verses 33 to 40. Teach me. These are things I'm asking for, right? Teach me, Lord, the meaning of your statutes and I will keep them. Help me understand your instruction, and I will obey it and follow it with all my heart. Help me stay on the path of your commands, for I take pleasure in it. Verse 36, turn my heart to your decrees and not to dishonest profit. Turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. Give me life in your ways. Confirm what you said through your servant, for it produces reverence for you. Turn away the disgrace I dread. Indeed, your judgments are good. How I long for your precepts. Give me life through your righteousness. That's an amazing passage of Scripture right there. And I want you to think about something. As you resolve to look and put your hope in God's Word, there has to be a, a moving away from something to it. And this is the hardest part of a, of a New Year's resolution, a resolution of faith. When you talk about our Christian faith, this is one of the hardest things to do. Right, I'll, even, I'll practice crying out from the depths. I'll do that. I'll cry out. Even if it's not to a brother or sister yet, I'll cry out to God. I know he hears. I'll trust and I'll, I'll look for stability. But changing the affection of our heart and the attention of our eyes to the word of God is difficult. Look at verses 36 and 37 again. These are the two, two I want you to really focus in on on this. The prayer is, Turn my heart to your decrees. And not to dishonest profit. Now, that, that, there's a lot in there. And you can discuss that at your small group or with your discussion sheet there on the back of the notes later on with your family. But think about that. Turn my heart to your decrees and not to dishonest profit. There's a lot of things that could fit in the category of dishonest profit. Right? Dishonest profit could be, I'm just going to spend more than I have and acquire things. Right? I'm, and, and that could be money. That could be time as well. Where, where's the attention of your eyes, the attention of your mind going? Maybe your resolution has already been, I'm going to spend less time on social media. Great. Pray that God would turn your heart to his decrees and not on dishonest gain or selfish pursuits or vain pursuits. Maybe you need to stop binging what you're watching on TV or the movies you're watching. Or maybe you need to change what you're watching because they aren't really good. The garbage is going in. Maybe you're, what it, it's what you're reading. Maybe it's who you're hanging around and being influenced by. It needs to change, right? But ultimately, when we turn to God's word, we're turning from something else. And I want you to understand this. This is important. If your resolution was to turn from one of those things, you need to add on to it, to turn from it and to God's word. You can't just say, you know what? I'm going to spend less time on my phone. Here we go. 
better turn to something else because it's going to be sitting there. Your time's going to be idle. Your hope is going to wane. If we're to put my hope in His Word, I need Him to turn my heart from those things of dishonest gain or selfishness. And then, then it goes on, turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. You and I could probably make a huge list of things in our life that are worthless, that need to go. That have no value. Have no value for, for increasing my faith, encouraging me and strengthening me to, to knowing God's word more. No, no value of helping others, encourage others. No value of building relationships and rapport with others. No, no value in building my relationship with Jesus. They are worthless things. They're idle, worthless things. And, and the psalmist says, I, I, I want my hope to be in your word. And if that's the case, I need to pray that you will turn my eyes from looking at what is worthless. We can't just say, I'm going to read the Bible more. And we can't just say, I'm not going to do that more. Or I'm going to do that less. We have to do both. Say, I'm going to not do this, and in turn, I'm going to look here at what is not worthless. I'm not going to look at what's worthless. I'm going to look at what is not worthless and put my hope in his word. What we find is he increases our faith through that. He increases our hope through that. And the last part of, in verse 40, he says, uh, how, long, how I long for your precepts. Why? Because they do something. They change something. They increase something in us. He says, give me life through your righteousness. Now, for you and I, when we put faith in Jesus Christ, he imputes his righteousness to us. It's as if we're Jesus now, standing before God, because we're as clean as Jesus, because of what he has accomplished and done. And through faith in Christ, we have his righteousness. But you and I increase in our own righteousness, in our own righteous living, in our own daily living. As we go to his word, we become more and more righteous in our living, more and more righteous in our, in our actions. We look more and more like Jesus. I want to jump down to verses 111 and 112 and then down to 147 in Psalm 119. So, I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. I am resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. What do you think about a heritage here? I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. When you think about a heritage for the most part, and it's not across the board, but you think about a heritage or a legacy, right? Someone, someone elderly in your family passes away. Uh, you know, the family comes to gather around. They could care less about binge-watching that show. They could care less about spending more time on social media. They gather around and they think about the heritage of the family. They think about the legacy the person has left. I, I know from my own family and, and all kinds of different times where we have loss, we open up photo albums. We start looking at and thinking about this person's life and, and, and looking intently into that. It's a heritage. You see the stories and you, you think about the stories and the impact that person has had in your life. The same is true for God when we look to his word. His word should become a heritage for us. He says, I have your decrees as a heritage forever. Indeed, they are the joy of my heart. It's what brings us joy. And that heritage is something that forms us and it impacted us in some, some major way and it continues to impact us through our life and it's something that forms us and shapes us and we look back and says, that has transformed me. The word of God will do that if we look to it. Verse 112, I am resolved. There's our resolution. I'm resolved to obey your statutes to the very end. So how, how do we resolve? Look at one, Psalm 119, 147. I'm, I'm sorry I threw this in there for you, um, night owls. 
I rise before dawn and cry out for help. I put my hope in your word. The one thing I, I realize about this reading plan, it's going to take rising a little earlier for me. And I, I looked at the psalm and say, you know what? The psalmist understood that when, for my hope to be in God's word, I might need to rise before the dawn and cry out. And that's okay. If we're really making that resolution to not do something, we have to look towards what we're going to do and what we're going to replace it with. My hope is that you will replace it, replace the worthless things, the dishonest things, replace it with God's word, with meditating on it, with striving to, to, to learn it, to grow in it, to obey it, to put your hope there, let your hope reside there. And if you need to, rise before the dawn so you can put your hope in his word. Finally, number four, my, resolu my resolution is to proclaim his faithful love. Proclaim his faithful love. Look at Psalm 130 again. We'll go back to our last two verses there. We want to proclaim his faithful love. It says in verses uh, 7 through 8, Israel, put your hope in the Lord, for there is faithful love with the Lord, and with him is redemption in abundance. And he will redeem Israel from all its iniquities. There's a promise not only for Israel here, but for all of those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You and I have a God who loves us, who wants to redeem us, who wants to pay the price for our sin that we might be made whole and made right with God through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. I want to tell others about his love. Because I know he's been faithful to me and will always be faithful, I want to share of that faithful love. I want to share of the love of Christ, the love of God through Christ with any in my life. You know, we, this is probably a year or two ago, we talked about the, the hospitality comes with a house key, with this hospitality series. The idea that God doesn't get the address wrong. We, we let fear dictate our lives so much when we should let faith overcome that. And part of our faith when we proclaim the faithfulness of God is that we are trusting that those people around us, God knows exactly where they're there, why they're there, and where they are. And that we shouldn't say, oh, well, are you sure about this one? Wait, what? God's, are, am I sure? God's saying, am I sure about the one I put in your light? Yeah, I'm sure. I, I did this for a reason. There's no mistake here. I didn't get the address wrong. You might be scared. You might be nervous. You might not want to say something because it might look bad or you might not have the words. But I didn't get the address wrong. So just proclaim my faithful love. If, if something else, if I've learned anything else from 2020, besides people masking other grief besides 2020, is that people need real hope. They need real hope. Not a fake hope. Not a, oh, it'll be okay if you wear your mask. Not a, hey, after the vaccine, it's all going to be done and your life's going to be wonderful. Hey, the government's going to give you more money, so hang in there. That is not the hope people need. That is not the hope that will sustain people. Our hope comes from the faithful love of God through Christ Jesus, our Lord. And for you and I, we must proclaim that. I want to read the last passage today out of Psalm 89. Psalm 89. The psalmist says this in verses 1 through 8. I will sing about the Lord's faithful love forever. I will proclaim your faithfulness to all generations with my mouth. For I will declare, faithful love is built up forever. You establish your faithfulness in the heavens. The Lord said, 
I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn an oath to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build up your throne for all generations. Selah. Now listen, I want to stop right there for a minute just because this is a little nugget. The, the three and four, this, this little nugget of truth is, is foreshadowing, it's prophesying the, the Savior, Jesus Christ, who would be born of the house and line of David. We just got done studying this, right? Looking at this through our season of Advent, Christmas. This is, this is the Christmas nugget right here. When we talk about proclaiming his faithful love, we are proclaiming Christmas. We're pro- proclaiming the advent of Christ, Christ God who came in flesh for us to save us from our sins. And the word Selah there, let that sink in, that nugget of truth. He goes on, Lord, the heavens praise your wonders, your faithfulness also, in the assembly of the holy ones. Look at verse 6. And here's, here's what really struck me when I read verses the 6 through 8. When I think about what I could offer my friends, when I think about what I could offer my neighbors, when I think about what I could offer you, For who in the skies can compare with the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? God is greatly feared in the council of the holy ones, more awe-inspiring than all who surround him. Lord God of armies, who is strong like you, Lord? Your faithfulness surrounds you. It became pretty clear to me as I read that. That when I, when I look at my friends or my family or, or even you or people that God puts in my life, there is nothing and no one I can offer that compares to God and his faithful love. So I resolve. This year I resolve to proclaim his faithful love more because there is nowhere else anyone, else, anyone can go to find real hope, lasting hope, and eternal life. Because his faithfulness surrounds him. He's always been faithful and always will be faithful. So the question is for me, and the question is for you, will you be faithful? Will you be faithful to proclaim his love? Will you be faithful to make these resolutions of faith that will strengthen you and encourage you and speak volumes about the majesty and splendor and covenant love of God. I pray that you will. Let's stand together and pray. Father, we're so grateful for your amazing, amazing love. Lord, as we look to your word today, as we, as we pause our hearts and we, we, we look in this new year for something new, God, I pray we will have found it in you. And God, as we we look to this passage of Scripture in Psalm 130, uh, Father, I I thank you for the model that it has for us, the the model of of being resolved to some things. God, I, I pray you would help us to cry out from the depths. That we would we would cry out from our despair and our sorrow, knowing that you hear us and that you will respond for our good and for your glory. God, that we will rejoice in our salvation, God, because you have saved us. And we rejoice really in you. We boast in you and in your glory. You're the one that's to be revered. So we rejoice because you have saved our souls through faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray that you would help us to put our hope in your word. That, God, we would would turn our, our eyes aside from 
the things of this world, the things of this life, the, the places that the affection of our heart have taken. God, and I, I pray that you would help us to, to move our hearts and move our eyes into the steadfast truth and hope of your word. And Father, that you will build us up in that and that we will become and look more and more like Jesus. And God, finally, that we would resolve to proclaim your faithful love. God, you have always been faithful and you always will be faithful. And God, there is no one else and there's nothing else that can compare to you. You are only what we can offer a world who needs help and needs hope. So help us to do that. Help us to speak up knowing you didn't get the address wrong. And you've called us to proclaim your greatness and your faithful love. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.